The episode you're about to hear was initially released as a Patreon exclusive. These episodes are typically shorter than the ones you're used to hearing, but we think they're still interesting, and we hope you'll agree. Welcome to Something's Not Right. This is Olivia, and unfortunately, it's just me tonight. And it sucks extra that Tashana's not here because this is kind of a weird story, and so we're all missing out on her priceless reactions. Hopefully, she can check it out, and maybe we could do a Facebook Live video or something because I can't wait to hear what she has to say about this. This one's going to be a short one. There's not a whole lot to it, but it is weird. And so I hope you can get some enjoyment out of that, you know, in so much as you can get enjoyment out of a story where someone gets murdered. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be an asshole. I don't know how else to intro this, so let's just get into it. On August 1st, 1978, a maintenance man was making his morning rounds at Pool Knobs Campground, an Army Corps of Engineers-operated site on Percy Priest Lake, which is near Laverne, and that's about 25 miles south of Nashville. He saw what he believed to be a pile of garbage burning near a campsite, but when he got closer, he saw that it was, in fact, a body wrapped in a burning quilt. Investigators from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department arrived on the scene and saw that the man in the quilt had been shot four times. Two of those shots were to his head. They also noticed that he was white and he was in his 30s or 40s. The upper half of his body had been burned and he was only wearing jockey shorts. Craig Snell, the sheriff, told the Tennessean... Investigators believed the man was shot elsewhere and his body brought to the remote area later. The man's body was taken to Crossville for an autopsy, and this gentleman was 5 feet 10 inches tall, and he weighed between 150 and 165 pounds. He had brown hair and a red beard that showed roughly two days of growth. After the examination, detectives saw a glimmer of hope for identifying the body. The man had a large, raised, and dark mole on the lower right side of his abdomen, and he had distinctive surgical scars on his groin. Those were related to a vascular bypass. The vascular surgery used a Dacron graft replacing the distal aorta and femoral arteries. Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney General Jeff Henry told the newspaper. Artificial arteries connected the man's heart to another artery in his thigh. Dacron grafts had been used for decades, but were relatively rare, as most surgeons used what's called an autograph, not the same as the 
you know, the things to Shauna and I signed on the Nashville scene that time. Uh, but so these use a patient's own blood vessels moved from elsewhere in the body to accomplish the bypass. That's the autograph. So that's not what he had. He had the, the artificial vessels. The man had all his teeth removed, but only had an upper jaw denture. I don't know how much good that is if you don't have the lower one. Maybe the killer took it. I don't know. All of these factors put together, detectives believed, meant they had a good shot at determining his identity and figuring out a motive. In the few days after the information was released, the sheriff's department received between 200 and 300 calls. But then something happened that, according to the sheriff, changed the whole ball game. The man was actually older than initially believed. Instead of being in his 30s or 40s, investigators said he was, in fact, in his 50s or 60s. I guess that didn't help very much. And the dentures were a dead end, too. They were counterfeit. Which, in an interview with Middle Tennessee Mysteries, cold case detective Tim Kohler said was not all that surprising because apparently Murfreesboro was a hub for bootleg dentures in the late 1970s. I'm sorry, you can't make this shit up. Kohler also told the website that investigative techniques weren't quite up to snuff. Samples of the accelerant were not saved. There are only five pictures in the case file, and those are all black and white. And then, of course, DNA was still a few years away from being used for identification, so none was collected at the time. However, tissue samples were taken, and DNA has since been tested. The body was sent to UT's body farm, where Dr. William Bass was able to reconstruct fingerprints from the man's burned hand, and he was able to perform a facial reconstruction which was then turned into a sketch by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Kohler said at one point they thought they'd found the man's family, but the DNA didn't match. The fingerprints didn't match any in the national databases, the dentures can't be tracked, and the DNA hasn't opened any doors. The only opportunity for discovering the man's identity is if someone remembers a man matching the description going missing in the summer of 1978. Though Kohler also noted that familial DNA matching with a family history website does present another avenue. So that's it. That is the whole story. So that's all I've got for you tonight. But I want to say thank you, as always, to Justin from Mysterious Circumstances, Audrey Arndt, Jessica Ashley, Hope Brazel, Patton Fuquay, Allison Klima, Kathy Lind, Janet Logan, and Terry Quillen. Bye. (laughs) 